Thank you, Bob. My, uh, my granddad, my mom's dad, was born in 1903, and he grew up in West Virginia, in the hills of West Virginia. And he went to school, he worked on road crews every year, and then went to law school at the University of Kentucky and got his degree. And when he was finishing up law school, he saw a poster that said jobs were out west. So he and his friend packed up their belongings, headed west, I'm assuming on a train because he didn't have a car. They got to Dalhart. My granddad's friend said, there's no way in hell I'm staying in this God-forsaken land. <laughs> and he headed to California. I still don't know why for sure my granddad stayed in Dalhart. This was the 1930s. But he set up his law practice there in Dalhart, and for over 50 years plus, he practiced law there in Dalhart, Texas. And uh, one of the things about my granddad was that he walked to work pretty much every day. Uh, in the morning, he'd walk to work. He'd walk home at lunch and eat lunch and then walk back to work after lunch and then walk home from work every afternoon. You'd see him walking, and he'd have on his fedora hat. You know, the men used to wear hats. It always reminded me of Tom Landry, you know, had his hat on every day. And he, and he wore the same thing to work every day, Right? You can probably imagine what he wore, wore to work every day. What I have on today, a suit, pressed shirt, and a tie. That's just what he wore. He put it on every day. That's every day that he went to work, back and forth to work. You would see him in his, in his hat, his pressed shirt, his jacket, slacks, and his tie. It's just who he was. It was a part of who he was. And, and you could recognize him from far off as he's walking. That was just who he was. And the way he dressed, he was consistent. Day after day after day after day, going to work. Up until his 90s, that's just who he was. Suit, button-up shirt, tie. Wasn't flashy, just consistent. In the world today, we too often praise the flashy, the exciting. But there's something comforting about the consistent. The last two years, we've, we've sold orange ties uh, for Father's Day uh, and invited all of the men of the church to wear them on Father's Day because, you know, it's kind of the joke. And on Father's Day, men, we, we receive a tie. So we're, we're just giving you that opportunity to buy a tie for your, your dad. And, and this year is no different. And each year we've used these orange ties to remind us of who we are as men. A tie is a symbol, I think, of manhood. Now, in today's world, men, we don't wear ties very often anymore. Uh, not really even to church. And especially when it's 110 degrees outside. But it, typically, ties are now just for special occasions. Now, for me, I wear a, t a tie on Sunday mornings and to weddings and funerals. That's typically when I wear a tie. And now most of you know that I spend a lot of my time at Palace Coffee. And, uh, and they, they know me and I, I'm a regular. And if I show up during the week and I look like this, 
Some of the baristas know I have a funeral. And in fact, before I even order, they'll say, I'm sorry. Because they just know. I'm in a tie and a suit. I must have a funeral. And they're right. The tie is a, is a symbol of manhood. And men, from today on, every time you see a man wear a tie, or, put, or when you put a tie on yourself, I want you to think about our verse from Proverbs 3.3. 3. Let me read it to you again. Do not let loyalty and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Men, say it with me. Do not let loyalty and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Okay, this time, say it like you actually mean it. You ready? <laughs> Do not let loyalty and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Tie loyalty and faithfulness around your neck. The writer of Proverbs is giving us good advice on how we ought to live our lives with consistency. Just like my grandfather put on his tie every morning to go to work. We are we men are called to do the same, to bind around our neck, to tie around our neck, loyalty and faithfulness. This is who we are called to be. I believe that all men are called to be loyal and faithful. There is power in a godly man who is loyal and faithful, who is consistent day after day after day after day. It's not flashy, but it's who we are called to be. So today I'm preaching to you men. Because in our world today, we don't get a good picture of what it means to be a man. Our world is currently so confused about gender and equality and what it means to be a man. Men are confused about who they're supposed to be, how they're supposed to live. And as you all know, recently we have had a spat of men who have been caught doing terrible things to women even in the church. And women all over are beginning to speak up about the abuse and discrimination that they have experienced at the hands of men. And praise God that they're speaking up. I'm so glad. Because what these men have done is terrible. It is wrong. It is not who we are called to be. This is not how a man should live and act. We have these wrong images of men and boys are emulating these wrong images. I believe a big part of our confusion and struggle is because of the brokenness of our families and boys growing up without fathers and, and father figures to guide them and who they are supposed to be. And I believe the church is called to model godly manhood and godly fatherhood. I believe all men are called to take responsibility to help raise boys and girls to be godly followers of Jesus. But to do that, we have to be godly men because I believe there is power in a godly man. Now, before I go any further, I want to say a word to all of you women in the room, all of you women who are here this morning. Men, you can listen to. You probably should. It's important for you to understand this as well. In the book of Genesis, 
it talks about God creating humanity. Remember the verse? The text says this. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Do you see it? God created humankind in his image. Both male and female are created in the image of God. One is not better than the other. They are not the same, but they are complementary to each other. This is important. This is critical for us to understand. We, we have our differences, but there is not a hierarchy of one better than the other. We are both image bearers of the creator. That is so important. But women, I'm preaching to men today and next week. This is the reason why. Because I tend to believe men are more prone to drift to chaos if they are not consistently taught and modeled godly behavior and place themselves humbly under the authority of other godly men and women. We are more prone to drift to chaos and destruction if we are not very intentional. So I'm preaching to men. Now, I also believe that men are stronger physically. I think it's a fact, a scientific fact. We are stronger physically, but we are weaker psychologically. Here we are fragile creatures who I believe are more easily swayed by culture than women are. We won't admit it, but we are. So women, pray for us. We need it. And this is where the power of a godly man can change the world. A godly man can make all the difference in the world. And a church that values and strengthens the role of men can help shape a culture, transform a culture for good. I believe men were built for loyalty and faithfulness. But sometimes we are deceived to follow after the, long, the wrong loyalty. The world and Satan can tempt us to be loyal and faithful to the wrong things. Can tempt us to ignore our calling and, use, and ignore those giftings that God have given us for his glory. So I turn back to the Bible to help teach us what it means to be a godly man. And I want to contrast two men in scripture that can give us this picture. The first man we find in the book of Genesis. The second we first hear about in the book of Matthew. That's Adam and Jesus. And Adam, the first created one, the first man who is supposed to be godly, and in Jesus, the true man who was godly. In fact, Jesus is called often the second Adam. We have these two men who represent two different realities of what it means to be a man. Two different definitions of manhood. One is a broken manhood. And the other shows us what it truly means to be a man. Let me tell you the story. You remember the story back in the book of Genesis? The serpent comes 
and starts talking to Eve and tells Eve, hey, you remember this tree, this tree here? God told you, what did he say, Eve, about this tree? And, and she said, that, you know, we shouldn't eat from it or touch it. And, and the serpent says, oh, no, but if you do, your, your eyes will be opened. And, and, and so she takes the fruit. Remember, let's, let's turn to the verse there. Uh, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Have you noticed that before? You know, so often we, we have this image that Eve was there and then she took a bite and then she went and hunted down her husband and then gave it to him to eat. But the text says very clearly, Adam was there the whole time. He was there the whole time. Do you see it? He just watched the whole scene evolve in front of him. And he did nothing. He just sat there in his lazy boy with his remote watching TV <laughs> as the fate of the world was unfolding right before his eyes. What should he have done? What is a man called to do? We're, we're protectors, we're, we're strong. You know, if you think about it, Adam should have come up there with a sword, cut that snake's head right off and said, uh-uh, we ain't having none of that around here. Things would have turned out a little differently, wouldn't they? Right? This was an opportunity for Adam to act like a man, to be loyal and faithful. But he doesn't. Why? Now let me make an observation about men. I'm included in this. I think men are naturally aggressive and competitive. That they are wired for this kind of thing. We are wired for that. You especially see this in boys as they hit puberty and the testosterone starts to flow through their body and they jockey for attention for, for women and young girls and, and they thrive on this aggression and display of power. You see it. If any of you have had boys, you, you see the change. It, they thrive on this, this com competition and this aggressiveness except when it comes to social and spiritual action. I've, I've seen this in the church and it has so often confounded me. I have met men who run incredibly successful businesses. They have no problem commanding those under them, speaking their mind, speaking confidently to them and directing their every action with confidence and fire in their eyes. They have to daily make decisions and then they get to church and they're afraid to pray out loud. They're afraid to take a stand for truth. They're afraid to teach and direct young boys and girls. They become passive. You ask them to lead or serve and they, they begin to stutter and make decisions excuses. I, I can't do that. I'm not gifted for that. I, I, I don't know how to do that. I, 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 yeah. They say they can't do it. And I'm floored. You lead a multi-million dollar company? 
You speak to people every day and you can't pray a prayer? Oh, it's too hard. One of the biggest failures of men is becoming passive in social and spiritual arenas. And this passivity is killing our culture. We slough off our roles. We become like deer in the headlights when it comes to these arenas of our life. That's the consequence of Adam. But when we look to Jesus, we see a different response to evil, don't we? Jesus took responsibility on himself. He came down from heaven to earth and did whatever it took to conquer Satan and evil. Jesus took responsibility and said, I have come to do my Father's will. He knew his calling. I have come to do my Father's will. That's why he came to earth. Jesus was not afraid to do whatever it took. He stood his ground when it came to truth. But he was humble when it came to how he lived. We tend to get this reversed. We men can become prideful when it comes to how we live and we get passive when it comes to standing for truth and acting in social and spiritual arenas. But men, we are called to take responsibility. We too are called to do the Father's will in all areas of our life. I know it's easier to sit back and let someone else do it. We say, you know, let mom do it, let mom handle it. But the world is seeking after men who don't just stand there or sit there, but do something. Who are intentionally involved in their family. Who put their spiritual priorities in as much, if not more, priority than their work. Not just when it's convenient. Who take an active role in teaching their children, all children, their grandchildren, who stand firm when it comes to truth and the word of God. This is what we need. This is what the world is yearning for. This loyalty to God and this faithfulness is a calling that we cannot ignore. Our loyalty is to do the Father's will. Do not let loyalty and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Every day when you get up to go to work, you put it on. Every day when you come home for lunch, you have it with you. Every day when you go back to work, every day it is who we are called to be. We must bind them around our necks. We must write this faithfulness on the tablets of our hearts. We cannot be passive when it comes to social and spiritual issues. It is killing our world. And we must take responsibility. We must take responsibility for the health of our families, for the health of our church, for the health of our, health of our communities, for the transformation of the world. Two final thoughts. And again, I'm speaking to you men. We need more godly men who are teachers. I praise God for those men who teach. But I am calling on men to take 
more responsibility when it comes to teaching our children. We need godly men, all ages, so that our preschool kids and our elementary kids and our youth kids can see what it means to be a godly man. It doesn't mean we're perfect. We're gonna, we're gonna stumble, but they see that we are involved and we care about their lives and what they're doing. We need them in the school system. We need them here at the church. We need you out in the community. Most of these kids are growing up with absent or misguided fathers and we need men who are not passive to take responsibility for standing up for truth and teaching our kids. You know, you've heard the saying, it takes a village to teach our children. I say it takes a church to teach our children, not a village. I don't want what the world is teaching our children. I want what the church should be teaching our children. So men, I'm calling on you. We need men who mentor in the school system too. I want to challenge you men to take on more responsibility to do this. Now for our Sunday school, you might say, I'm not gifted to teach. Okay, just be there. Say hello, learn their names, pray for them, be an example. This takes courage. In fact, we're going to talk about courage next week. I hope you come back. Number two, I want you to, this is the second thing I would invite you to do. Now, and again, when I say teaching, just do something. You don't have to do everything. Some of you who are younger, who are thinking about career decisions, maybe you're being led to teach. What a great career path to influence our students. Two, I want you to meditate on our verse this week. This is what I would challenge you men to do this week, invite you to do. Proverbs 3.3. As you read it every day, maybe write it down, put it on your mirror, asking yourself the question, how are you being loyal and faithful to God? Women, you can do this too, it's okay. I would invite you to meditate on this verse daily throughout the week. Write it out so you can see it. There's something about writing something down that, that helps. Put it in your calendar so it comes as a reminder throughout the day. Oh yeah, what am I supposed to be doing? I'm supposed to be loyal and faithful. Do not let loyalty and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Let us pray.